Another short word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, as we now turn to your word, we do pray that you will speak to each and every one of us this evening. We pray that there might be a message for us all. And as we come to the end of this meeting and make our way out the door and home, that we might say within our own selves, it was good for us to be here. For here we have met with the Lord, and surely the Lord has spoken to me. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. On the 29th of January, 1967, I asked the Lord to save me. And he did. How did I know? How was I so sure? Was it a bolt of flashing light that left heaven and fell upon my darkened soul? Was it the the ground beneath my feet began to tremble? Was there a beautiful sound of angelic voices singing in the background softly? No, none of these things. But I was sure that I was saved because I took God at his word. And he said that him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And God is no liar. What brought about these circumstances was the fact that I was aware that I was a sinner walking the broad road to destruction and that I needed to be born again. I had always been taught this truth as a child. In the 60s, gospel outreach was very much to the fore. There were missions being held everywhere. They were held in churches, they were in portable halls, they were in gospel tents, they were in Christian workers' union halls, and there was a street corner preacher in nearly every corner of the bigger towns and cities. Maybe not all had the same theological views, but all were united on the way of salvation and the necessity of being born again. Looking back on those days, I would contend that I was saved in the midst of a mini-revival. It will never be recorded as such. We'll never see a book written about it. It was nothing like the 1920s, when W.P. Nicholson had his great meetings throughout the country and thousands were saved, or nothing like the great revival of 18 and 59. But the Spirit of God was at work just the same. And my place of work and young people that I was associated with, many of them were saved at that particular time. 
and are still involved in gospel work today. Now, as young believers at that time, we were very enthusiastic in our endeavors to spread the good news. We had a great burden for family and friends, nodding acquaintances and even strangers, that they might find the Savior and know this salvation that we knew. We felt that as we were mostly from the East Antrim area, that we should organize ourselves and form a little group or committee and go around the surrounding towns and villages and spread our newfound faith. And so the East Antrim Gospel Mission Committee came into being. It doesn't exist now for various reasons, but we held gospel missions. We had film shows in places like Ballyclare Town Hall. There weren't so many televisions in those days, and any that they were were black and white. There were no DVDs or video recorders, and we sometimes would hire a man to come along. And I remember sitting and hand painting posters for the film Martin Luther and taking them down round the square in Ballyclare and posting them uh, on the poles and inviting many to come along to see these films. Almost every Saturday night we held an open air meeting in Ballyclare Square. We usually started our meetings in the square with the singing of that hymn that we sang this evening. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Very often we would be joined by local men of faith and denominationally. We were a mixed bunch, but we didn't care. The gospel was preached. Those were good days, and we never usually experienced any trouble from anyone or upset at all. People then had a greater respect for the gospel than they would have today, and we even had received the odd hymn request from one of the nearby public houses. Well now, having as our name the East Antrim Gospel Mission Committee, we really thought that we should have a motto text which would better explain our mission, our main purpose for our existence and what our message was all about. And so we decided on that twelfth verse of the fourth chapter of Amos. Prepare to meet thy God. These are the words and the message that I want us all to consider tonight. Now I was thinking that regardless of who we are, or what we do in life, 
on a daily basis, we are always planning some future event in our lives. We are continually in a state of preparation. Take today, for example. From the moment you got out of bed, and maybe even before that, you were in your mind preparing the day that lay ahead. And how you would organize yourself. What you would wear. What time you would leave for church. And things like that. That's the way it is. The prophet Amos. Although in the world's eye he was just a humble shepherd from Judah in the south of the land. He was chosen by almighty God to go north to Israel and deliver a message to a people much like ourselves today. People who in comparison to a few years back are today reasonably well off. But you often find that the more affluent people become, the less dependence they have upon God. So were these people in Amos' day. God had looked after them. God had looked after them well. And they had a certain form of religion. Lip service. You know, even God sustains us on a daily basis. We have, as these people did, less and less time for him. We are living today as these people did in this day of Amos. We are living in a me-first society. With a me-first mentality. And a me-first agenda. Oh yes, many have the form of godliness, a certain respectability concerning religious affairs. But very often we are so concerned in putting ourselves first that God is pushed into second place, if even there. Five times. In verses 6, 8, 9, 10, and 11. In this chapter 4, God reminds this people that in spite of his goodness to them, they had forgotten their first love. And they had wandered away and not returned unto him. Having an outward form of religion, but little reality in the heart. And the consequences of this comes in God's warning in verse 12. People, prepare to meet thy God. And it's because of the similarity of things today and things as they were in Amos' day that I want us to consider this text tonight. It was, yes, a message primarily to God's people. But it is also a message to each of us regardless of our spiritual condition in this meeting tonight. It's a message for today. A message for you. It's a message for me. It's a simple message and yet it's a profound message. And all contained in just five words. Let's look at it this evening under three headings. And the first one is the word 
prepare. And we will note that this is a preparation that cannot be avoided. Secondly, we will look at the words to meet. And we will see that this is a meeting that cannot be adjourned. And then finally, we will look at these most important words, Thy God. And we shall see a judge whose judgment is final and cannot be appealed. Let's look at them then in that order. Firstly then, a preparation that cannot be avoided. As already noted, day and daily we make preparations for one thing or another, yet sometimes in spite of conditions, uh, these preparations have to be changed. But you know, much like the rich farmer of Luke 12, we seem today to make plans and preparations for everything in life, but are reluctant to think about our own time of death. That time whenever the soul must leave the body because the soul outlives the body. And pre what preparations have we made for that day that is inevitable and must come? You know, it never ceases to amaze me that some didn't happen this morning, but some Sunday mornings whenever I am making my way down to church and driving down, there seems to be a group of people who go out jogging. And they're out all hours looking after their body, having so much concern that they would be fit and active. And they're prepared to go through all kinds of weather to achieve this end. And yet they haven't that thought for their soul. You know, whenever we realize the importance of being prepared for that time, whenever our life's work is ended, we try to push it to the back of our thinking, don't we? To quote the hymn writer, to some more convenient day. It's something we prefer to think well, happens to everybody, but somebody else now and ourselves, perhaps in the far distant future. The population of Northern Ireland at present is approximately 1.9 million people. Do you know how many of us will die this year? Fifteen and a half thousand. I was looking in the internet and up to the end of May this year there have been 6,914 deaths in Northern Ireland. Death comes to all age groups. It comes to children it comes as an unexpected death. It comes suddenly to some. It could come to me. It could come to you even this week. Now knowing these figures, do you not think 
preparation for that time is called for. Isn't it lovely? Whenever we go along to a funeral and we are talking to a relative of the deceased to hear them say, well, he or she was prepared. In one sense, soul preparation is a one-off because you're only saved once. And there is eternal security for the soul. But yet in another sense, and believer take note, it is also a continual process. It is a daily thing. And we are reminded in Luke 9 and 23 that the Savior says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And you see, that's the problem. We seem to be more interested in our own comfortable lifestyle to get involved to any great depth in the things of God. We want to spend our days at ease in Zion. But yet we want an insurance policy for whenever we die. Believer, if the church is to grow, we all must get involved. Every last one of us. We are always to keep pressing on toward the mark. Keep going forward. We must spend and be spent to do the master's will. Now knowing that someday we will all stand before God and give an account and each of us will. Let us all individually ask ourselves what preparations have we made and what effort, if you're a believer, are you putting into the work of the gospel? For example, believer, what preparations did you put in to coming to the meeting tonight? Did you spend more time on a host of other things than you did in prayer for this meeting? That God would move. <coughs> that those who perhaps you have been praying for a long time would become under their conviction of sin and that they would cry out tonight for salvation. Preparation is a daily thing. Today's breakfast won't sustain us for tomorrow. Preparation is an essential thing. The whole verse is a warning. A warning not to be ignored. And if we are to see souls saved. And loved ones brought to the Lord. This proper preparation cannot be avoided. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, unsaved friend, in the meeting tonight, notice that the importance of us all is being prepared. But secondly, in the verse, we are told to prepare for a meeting that can't be adjourned. <clears throat> and we in Northern Ireland know all about adjourned meetings. Oh, if only we could arrange and decide the day of this great meeting when we are to meet God. If only it could be a flaxy date. 
and we could get our secretary to arrange this meeting on a date which would be suitable to both parties. If only we could adjourn this meeting to a date of our own suitability, but you see, this meeting is not going to be called and adjourned at a time that suits us because in reality it would never suit us. You see, this is more than a meeting. It is a summons. We do not decide the hour or the day. And the day is coming whenever we will all individually be summoned and called to stand before God. <coughs> he has determined the time. When we through death or when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more whenever we stand before him. All opportunities for preparation will have passed. There is no adjournment. A man with all his perceived wisdom will be silenced forever. This is what it says in that day in Revelation chapter 20 and reading from verse 11 where John says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, that's you and me, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire Oh friend, we must ask ourselves, how will we stand on that day? Are we fully prepared? Have we spent our lives gathering the glass beads of the world? Believer, whenever we should be claiming jewels for Christ. <clears throat> whenever I was working in around the Mosley area, I used to go along to Andy's stores in Monkstown uh, for materials. And I remember standing in Andy's stores many years ago and there were two old countrymen in and they were standing waiting to be served but I was behind them and Andy or an uncle of mine used to be employed there as well. He, he maybe was the one that was doing the serving at the counter. But the two old men were standing and they were talking about past days. And the one turned to the other and he says, you know, he says, we any as far to go as we have come. And many of us in the meeting tonight could say that. We any as far to go as we have come. I'm sure we have all said at various times in our life, Oof, 
only I could live my life again, how different things would be. If only we could play it again, Sam. I remember parking outside uh, Harvey Normans at the Abbey Centre. And at that time, I don't think they're there now, but at that time they had one section which was dedicated to photography. And you could buy anything for your camera in there. And they had a poster on the, uh, the window. And I was sitting waiting in the car and they were trying to encourage people to buy their products, take photographs, take films, etc. And they had on this poster, because life has no rewind button. Think on it. Life has no rewind button. So let us all prepare for this day, friend. It's a preparation that cannot be try as we may be avoided. We can't avoid it. It's a meeting that cannot be adjourned. But finally, this meeting is with the judge whose judgment cannot be appealed. You know, in this life it becomes very frustrating to see someone who has been convicted and sentenced in some heinous crime and everyone knows that they're guilty going to an appeal court and because of some technicality they're released back out into society. Even murderers. We see it every day. Some criminals who have come here from other countries, perhaps illegally, and they have committed crimes and they are to be deported to their country of origin or released because their human rights might be infringed. We also see judges expressing personal opinions. And because of people's gender or intellect, they are released on appeal. That will not happen whenever we stand before the judge of all the earth. There will be no human rights appeal here for the judge of all the earth will do right. Genesis 18.25 At this meeting there will be a great division of peoples. But yet in reality there will only be two. There will be peoples that have ever lived upon earth. All the races, tribes, colours, white men, black men, yellow men, red men. They will all be there. And they will all ask the same question which will go something like what have you done with my son? If you in your lifetime accept that God's offer of mercy and accept that his son is your substitute for sin he will say to you come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And you will be placed on the one side. But if you in your lifetime never accept that Christ is saviour. Perhaps sat in meetings like this. Time after time after time. And were under conviction of sin. But yet never opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Never accepted him as saviour. You will hear the words depart from me. Ye curse it. I never knew you. And you will be placed 
on the other side. No appeal. No appeal. No flashy judge. No, bar no uh, uh, barrister. No flashy barrister is going to get you out of that. It's the final words from the judge. Hell for all eternity. What a judgment. But yet just. I take the Daily Mail every day. And I remember just after the Grenfell Tower in London was destroyed by fire. There was a photograph of one of the apartments. And it was completely burned out. And the title on the Daily Mail that day was Inside Hell. And I says no. Because in that picture the fire had gone out. And hell it never goes out. It's everlasting. It's the eternal home of the unbeliever. You see God has already prepared a place for the devil and his angels. Let the world in all its boasted wisdom, say it at once. Let them shake their fist at Almighty God. But he that sitteth in the throne is the last laugh. The final judgment rests with him. And he has really already said, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You know, the word says that as a tree falleth, it lieth. Whenever a storm comes and blows a tree and slying over to the north, that's where it remained. There's nothing in it can bring itself up. If it falls to the south, the same thing. East or west is there. You see, whenever God's judgment falls, you're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. No more opportunity to be saved. No appeal. Look at all the church services I attend. It means nothing. Now how do you as an individual tonight, friends, stand before God? A terrible judgment is on its way. Look at the world around you. Believer, we have a responsibility to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. To ensure that we are prepared to meet our God. To win men and women, boys and girls. While the Lord gives us breath. And gives us the physical and mental ability to do it. To win others for Christ. But then friend if you're in this meeting tonight and you're not saved. We would implore you. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. We must all be prepared to meet God. He says to you, all of us tonight, as he did in the day of Amos, return. Return unto me. He says in Isaiah 55 and 7, he says, return unto me and I will abundantly pardon. How is this possible? Well, John 3 and 16 is the answer. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know the only preparation in life that really matters is this. It can't be avoided. It can't be adjourned or put off. Or it can't be appealed. Amen.